0: The scripture lesson this morning comes from 1 First Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 to 10 and then chapter 5, 12 to 18. One final word, friends. We ask you, urge you is more like it, that you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God. Not in a dogged religious plod, but in a living, spirited dance. You know the guidelines we laid out for you from the Master Jesus. God wants you to live a pure life. Keep yourselves from sexual promiscuity. Learn to appreciate and give dignity to your body, not abusing it as it is so common among those who know nothing of God. Don't run roughshod over the concerns of your brothers and sisters. Their concerns are God's concerns, and he will take care of them. We've warned you about this before. God hasn't invited us into a disorderly, grungy life, but into something holy and beautiful, as beautiful on the inside as the outside. If you disregard this advice, you're not offending your neighbors, but you are rejecting God, who is making you a gift of his Holy Spirit. Regarding life together and getting along with each other, You don't need me to tell you what to do. You are God taught in these matters. Just love one another. You're already good at it. Your friends all over the province of Macedonia are the evidence. Keep it up, get better and better at it. And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience overwhelm them with appreciation and love get along among yourselves each of you doing your part our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted pulling them to their feet be patient with each person attentive to individual needs and be careful that when you get on each other's nerves you don't snap at each other Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you to belong to Christ Jesus to live. I'm sorry. God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray.
1: Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. First, just a little joke. I mean, there's lots of different kinds of literature in the Bible. But that admonition from Paul that when you get irritated, don't snap at each other, that's got to be the most terrifying. Who can live up to that standard? We barely made it through traffic this morning on the way here. (laughs) Have you heard the phrase, spiritual but not religious? Yeah. Yeah. Spiritual but not religious, it's... A kind of designation a sort of explanation that has become pretty popular in the last 20 years or so as a way for people who are a part of the american culture which is an extremely religious infused religion infused culture to describe the way that they may feel a connection with a god in some way even feel like they pray a lot or have a strong connection with the sense of conviction. but so they're not part of any sort of organized religion. I don't feel an attachment or affiliation with that. So it's been a very popular phrase as we go through this current kind of religious reformation experience that we're in right now in our time. I do understand what this phrase means. And yet it kind of, um, I get that 404 error message in my brain when I hear it, like when you look up the wrong uh, website, because I'm super religious, if you couldn't tell. I'm not only up here in the pulpit, but I'm also a Methodist. And Methodists are like the religious of the religious. The, the word religious has had attached to it many meanings. And no, not all of them I would claim or Methodists would claim. But the simplest and most straightforward definition of what it means to be religious is that your, beli- your actions match your beliefs. Your actions match your beliefs. Methodists are called Methodists because it used to be an embarrassing nickname. The people called Methodists were the people everybody rolled their eyes at because they were paying so much attention to how their actions spoke about their beliefs. That's why I say Methodists are the religious of the religious. It's not necessarily about following a checklist of actions as prescribed by some outside force, but rather interpreting the Bible as Veronica was describing here interpreting what God means when God says, Love your neighbor. When God says, Love others as I have loved you. Interpreting what does it mean now in the life that I have here and now, in this context of my particular gifts and abilities, my intelligence, my language, my neighbors, what does it mean to choose love? What does it mean to respond to this provocation in love? My husband and I have a funny story about this. We were driving once, and we have very different personalities, and this is possible in the kingdom of God. We're all quite different, right? We have very different personalities, and we have different ways of dealing with stress, right? So we were driving in Boston traffic. Oh, there, you there you go. There you go. And let's just say that Wes—he's driving at the time. He has a different way of dealing with stress than I do. I get quiet. He doesn't. <laughs> so I turned to Wes. At one point, I was getting so, whew, and I turned to Wes and I said. How can you do that? Aren't you worried you're gonna give yourself an ulcer? And he turned to me, and with complete seriousness in his face, he said, oh no, I do this so I don't get an ulcer. What does it mean in the context of who we are, who our neighbors are, and how we are made to follow these instructions for our actions to match our beliefs? That's what it means to be religious. My favorite poem that speaks to my spiritual life, I guess, or the way that I think about these things is written by poet Jay Holm. He's an Anglican, but he's a really religious Anglican, so I'm claiming him as a Methodist. He wrote a poem poem called We Pause at the Red Diamond. It goes like this. What is a person but a prayer disconnected from speech? our liturgy, our lives, from birth to death. Come, sit with me a while. The service is long, as it must be, and soon we will have to depart. When I think about what this poem means for me, how it blossoms into meaning in my life, I'm reminded of when I was a young girl living in my parents' house and my brother and I would have to alternate washing dishes after dinner. That was our chore. To stand at the sink and watch the, wash the dinner dishes. My brother is a very efficient, practical person. So if he couldn't find a way to get me roped into doing the dishes instead of him, he would do them in the most efficient way possible so that he could disappear and do what he wanted to do. I am not an efficient person. I'm a person who reads poetry. <laughs> so my mind would go off into daydreams, and I would sit there and stand there and have my hands in the water and be stirring things around, and I would take forever. But one of the things that I would be doing is I would be thinking about a movie I loved as a kid, which was uh, Disney Cinderella. And I'd be looking at the bubbles that the soap made and the colors in the bubbles, and I'd be singing the song from the scene in the movie when Cinderella is washing the floor, and the bubbles rise up, and she harmonizes with herself. Sing, sweet nightingale, sing, sweet nightingale. She's in the middle of a really mundane chore, something that has no beauty or glory to it at all. And in the next room, her evil step-sisters are practicing their vocalises, singing the scales, and it is harsh and unpleasant. It is just chores. Chores. But somehow, because of Cinderella's spirit, as she's washing the floor and the bubbles rise up, she becomes a chorus of beauty with herself as she sings this song and moves this motion. And all of a sudden, joy arrives. All of a sudden, joy arrives. You heard in the reading this morning, We ask you, urge is more like it, that you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God, not in a dogged religious plod, but in a loving, spirited dance, a living, spirited dance. Do our liturgies help us dance? I think the presence of God is that joy that shows up in the midst of our lives. If we are dancing, then we know God is there. The sort of beauty in the ordinary that expands it in breadth and depth and makes it something more. Not something we just came up with recently. It's not part of some sort of new age movement. No, it goes way back. In in fact, St. Francis was such a passionate preacher they actually said that when he got going he loved to preach and when he got going his feet would start moving so that it looked like he was tap dancing our former bishop suda sarna would do the same thing if you watch the easter message video from a couple of years ago you'd see his arms and his whole robe would get going as he got going too the love of god made the spirit dance Our forerunner, John Wesley, from whom we get a lot of the ideas that have made us Methodists, he was a really serious guy. He'd gone through a lot of really hard things and persecution when he was growing up. He'd experienced poverty and just sort of the grind of responsibility. He had a really hard time holding things lightly and loosening up. He was really literal sometimes but he had experiences throughout his life that helped him really fall in love with God. So some of his writing about the love of God is so passionate and so beautiful. One of these experiences was when he was on a ship coming to the United States to do ministry and there was a storm. This Oxford educated TA an ordained clergy person, was in the hold of this ship as it encountered a storm, and he was so aware of the peril that they were facing, he was just covered in stress, right? So anxious, so full of fear. He didn't have anything, he didn't have any equipment to meet that kind of moment. But he wasn't the only one on the ship. There was another group who was taking the same passage. It was a group of Moravians. And Moravians had learned a way for their actions to match their beliefs that Wesley had not yet learned. The Moravians all gathered together and they sang. With the storm howling all around, they drew together and they sang. And this was an experience, maybe really normal for them, but for Wesley, it was transformative. It was God's joy showing up in the midst of really serious circumstances in a way that made him see things differently. Do our liturgies help us dance? We do our work together here as Methodists. We are equals and we labor alongside one another so that we can see God show up like that. We aren't meant to try to protect each other from the things that are hard to figure out. We aren't meant to um, shove all of the mundane and boring stuff onto just a handful of people so that everybody else can go and do only the things that appeal to them. No, we share this stuff together. We make it visible together so that we can have the same experiences of joy showing up in our everyday liturgies, in our everyday lives. It's so that we can see God show up. There's a quote from... um, A man named Robert Gruden, he says, A well designed hoe speaks the truth to the ground. A well designed hoe speaks the truth to the ground so that it breaks. And conversely, tells us the truth about the ground. A well designed hoe, you know what that is, it's for gardening. A well designed hoe tells the truth to the ground that it breaks and, conversely, tells us the truth about the ground. We labor alongside each other. We do so visibly so that we can see the truth about ourselves and also be told the truth about God's love in the world. One way this shows up in the way that we do the work of Methodists is in building a budget, believe it or not. We had a finance meeting this week, and this is one of the things I was thinking about. Who loves to come to a finance meeting? Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) I thought so. But we sat around and we looked at that column of numbers, right? I had to catch a bus, so I left early but I heard that those who remained stayed for a long time and looked closely at that column of numbers, trying to see the truth about the ground and about God. It's not easily done, but it's an opportunity, right? This is why we do this work together. This is what's dangerous about um, designing things that are meant to shelter people, or keep some information in one place or another, or make the truth harder to understand in full. This is what I'm thinking about in terms of designing something like a deficit budget, which is what we have right now, as it stands. We're still working on it. If we design something like a deficit budget, we don't actually tell the truth. We keep going on as though um, we understand what it says, but maybe we don't really. Maybe we haven't had enough conversation about what it means so that we can join in this work together and figure it out. I'm really glad that we uh, called the finance meeting, even though I couldn't stay through the whole thing, so that we could start looking at it and could start talking about it a little bit more. Because here at Wesley, just like the church in Thessalonians, we're getting it right. This is such a great church full of so many wonderful and gifted people. There's no reason for us not to design things that work well for us. There's no reason for us to design instruments that can lead us to debt or discouragement. There is no reason for us to not trust that God's message when it comes to us will be a loving one, a loving one and a good one. There's no reason to have any shame about needing to do this kind of work just like when Cinderella was cleaning the floor. If she had been caught in shame or embarrassment or discouragement all she would have seen is the grime, all she would have felt was the ache in her limbs But instead she let her spirit soar, she had hope in something, she had faith in love. And that made even that difficult and boring work a joy. So it happened for the first time this week, after all of these weeks together, this week I missed the bus for the first time. (laughs) yeah I knew I knew you guys were looking at me during the choir and you're like she's gonna miss the bus and I did miss the bus but it was okay because I had a backup plan you can't commit to something like this if you don't I had a backup plan and I got a ride and during that ride I had a wonderful conversation and the conversation I had was with an immigrant This immigrant and I, we were talking about what life was like in his home country, what kind of culture he came from, and what his experience has been of living in New Hampshire culture. We were talking about faith. We talked about gender. I mean, we had plenty of time. We had a wonderful conversation that was wide-ranging. And when he asked me a question, I dared to tell him the truth as best I could. And when I asked him a question, I think he was doing his best to tell me the truth as well and one of the things he said to me is I love your system he said America is not perfect It maybe isn't the best country of all if you could be just dropped in somewhere with all kinds of privileges and opportunities maybe I wouldn't pick here But America is the best country for starting from scratch. That's what he said. America is the best country for starting from scratch because you can come here with no reputation and nothing to trade on. And you can learn the things that you need to learn. You can get work coming from where he was coming from, that was meaningful, that was meaningful difference. And it got me thinking again about the liturgies that we practice here, the kind of conversations and dissent which are possible to us, the kind of participation, like you all did in election day this past week, that is possible because of this weird and often frustrating system that we have, where people get a say This is designed too. This is something people have participated in making all along. And it's something, it says something about what we believe too. It's religious in that way. What we do as participants in this country's system says something about what we believe. And I was glad that for him, it was one, it was a statement that brought hope and possibility and gratitude. This is my final word on this this morning. You heard it in the scripture. God hasn't invited us into a disorderly, grungy life, but into something holy and beautiful. And as beautiful on the inside as it is on the outside. May our liturgies, may our Actions match that
0: conviction.